Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for coming on to the potty and having a chat with us about all things period. Do you mind giving us a little bit of info about who you are and what you do? Of course. It's such a pleasure to be here. I work as a a period coach. I work as a natural fertility teacher and What this means essentially is that I help women understand their menstrual cycle and how to optimize their hormonal ebb and flow. So many of us, myself included, weren't taught about the inner workings of our body and how to listen to what's going on in each phase of the menstrual cycle and how to actually work with our strengths and take care of our vulnerabilities. So my work is about helping women understand what's happening in their body, not just to manage period issues though that's a part of it but so that they can you know be the most creative version of themselves be that the best partner be the best mom be the best friend like really optimize who optimize their lives and sometimes I joke it's like period coaching you know using your period to be the best version of yourself but essentially that is what it is yeah I think it's so important because I think it's one of those things that anything else that happened once a month you would be so you know, you would know so much about it. But I feel like as women, often we do go through life seeing our period as this real burden, but not really looking into anything more about it and not knowing a lot about it. So I think it is really, really important. And I don't think we're alone because we asked our listeners to send in some questions and we got a lot. So I think it's one of those things that people sometimes are maybe embarrassed to ask the questions because they feel that they should just know it. But as a whole, we don't. So thank you for all that you do. Yes. And can you give us a simple explanation of what happens during your menstrual cycle? I can. So there's often a misconception that your menstrual cycle is your period. And sometimes those two words are used interchangeably. Like someone will say like, I'm I'm on my cycle when they mean that they're bleeding or they have their period. And the menstrual cycle actually encapsulates the entire time between that first day of bleeding, the first day of your period, right up until that last day before your next period begins, if that makes sense. So it's that entire time between periods. And another misconception is that we have the week that we're bleeding and we have a period for say like five days and that the rest of the time, the days in between periods are just are the same, that there's no real change. That was definitely the understanding that I mm. had. And when you are a hormonal um, contraceptive pill, that is the experience. However, a natural menstrual cycle actually has four different hormonal phases and every you know every day is different even every hour you know we are constantly changing and so I can walk you through the four different phases please do all righty so I can I can also say that mine's angry angry happy angry (laughs) (laughs) that's me in a nutshell when are you you happy ask my husband just after it's finished that Mm. one week Mm. and then that's it Mm -hmm. 
that's really helpful let's start there let's start in your like happy phase the week after bleeding um and you know what it's a lot of people's happy phase that is often what I hear is that feeling of like emerging from the period cave there's a sense of lightness in the body there's like a return of motivation and energy and focus I mean is that how you experience absolutely it? and it's the only one week out of my whole cycle that I'm actually wanting to have sex sorry anyone that like my husband listening he's not listening it's fine but that <laughs> is that one week where I'm like oh that is the sexiest man I've ever seen and then after that week I'm like oh, my God, I do not want you to go near me, it, like, at all until another three weeks. It's it's hilarious. It's textbook. I've been like that for, yeah, ever. Okay, interesting. And it all makes perfect sense. So what you're describing essentially, you know, is the opening, the return of fertility. And on a, on a very primal level, <laughs> this is what the menstrual cycle is designed to do. It's designed to create life, and that involves having sex. And that this is what this entire process is kind of gearing us up to do. So once um, menstruation ends, we move into the, what I call the inner spring, but it's like the follicular phase of the cycle. And this phase, pre-ovulatory phase, so it's building up to ovulation. So your body is gearing you up to find a mate and to have sex. And so you do, you feel great, you often look great, you know, skin's great, hair's great, feel more confident, feel more extroverted, want to be out in the world and, like you say, like want to have sex. Mm. And, you know, women will notice that they have more cervical fluid, like a feeling of wetness in their undies, and that's Mm. all part of this process is this, like, daily increase of fertility in the lead up to ovulating um so that's the let's let's call that the the spring phase of the menstrual cycle pre-ovulation and that takes us yeah (laughs) a great phase for many yeah a great phase for many um and this builds us right up until till ovulation so ovulation is when we have the release of an egg and this is you know the moment in the cycle where if we're going to conceive you know this is this is it and this is the inner summer and this moment in the cycle is is like the peak of the menstrual cycle so when we're bleeding is you know kind of like ground zero then this is really like number 10 like we're now (laughs) out we're very much out in the world and we're blossoming it's impossible to get it's impossible to get clothes on jade during inner summer she's just oh yeah walking around the house raring to go (laughs) yeah Totally. And it's it's one of my favourite moments in the menstrual cycle as well. I just feel like a queen. I feel amazing, like superwoman. I feel feel like I could go out and get like five husbands. I'm like, I need a new man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're all looking at me. And then the next week I'm like, oh, God, no one look at me. It's just (laughs) hilarious. It's so interesting how that whole cycle works. It's incredible, isn't it? Like the, the psychological changes throughout the menstrual cycle is fascinating because what you're describing then the following week, so we've had this fertile <laughs> moment, feeling brilliant. Moment, and then we I love move. Call it a moment. Sometimes I feel like <laughs> it's just a moment for me. <laughs> it can it can just feel like a couple of hours sometimes of just being like, I am amazing, I'm a queen, I'm on top of my life, look at me. And then we have this hormonal shift. So we've had estrogen, which has been like increasing, 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 reaches its peak. And, and that is the, you know, the hormone that's getting you up and out into the world. And then post ovulation, we have the increase in progesterone and progesterone. I'm allergic to, I think I'm allergic to progesterone. I'm not joking. It's not my friend. Completely allergic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See, and this is, 
we all have such different experiences of the cycle. So some women, are, you know, tell me very similar. I'm allergic to it. I can't stand it. I It sends me mad. And then other women really love this phase because there's quite a soothing nature to progesterone and they feel like this might sound like wild for you to hear because your experience is so different, but mm. that the first half of the menstrual cycle for them is actually too intense and they're not comfortable being mm. in that like big energy that you're describing. And then when progesterone kicks in in the second half, they're like, oh, cool, now I can just relax a bit more and I'm not bothered about other people and I can kind of just do my own thing. And Well, it's you know, interesting that you way. say that because my girlfriend and a lot of other women, they are hornier during their period than they are at ovulation whereas I am only wanting to have sex during ovulation and not my period so why is that is like why does that happen yeah everybody is just so different in our menstrual cycle it's the most incredible feedback system and you know it's connected to every other system in our body it's also reflective of who we are and what moment in our life journey we're in whether we are looking to conceive or not you know there's a lot of um, emotional and mental narratives that are going on as well inside all of us at different times and so yeah we can go through phases like I go through phases where I just love say my um, my autumn phase that premenstrual week I really love it and then other phases in my life where it has been just torturous, like it has been so difficult for me to manage because of um, situations in my life at the time that are making it more difficult to enjoy. So I think it's important to note that what I'm describing here is sort of an archetypal version of the cycle mm. and how the hormones generally affect mm. people, but everybody is so different and every cycle is so different. Um, and I think it's really important to hear, to say that because often when I'm explaining what an archetypal version of the hormonal cycle looks like there are always nuances and I don't want anybody to feel like there's something wrong with them if that way they experience these different seasons feels um, completely different to them at the moment mm. no it's interesting because I have had the worst period in a very long time but this last period I've had horrendous cramping which I don't normally get for four days I've been heavily bleeding headaches like a lot of symptoms that I normally wouldn't have and then a few days later, I had a, a pretty much a burnout mental breakdown. Like it was, I was just overloading. So it's interesting that you were saying that, you know, circumstantial and situations yeah. can affect your period at that time. Absolutely. It is the most incredible feedback system. And again, I wish this was something that I was taught when I was younger mm. and, and maybe maybe the younger generation of women will have this information, but to listen to our bodies and listen to our period and the pain, as you've just described, and, um, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like how are we experiencing each phase of the cycle? There's always gold. And, and essentially this is what I'm doing when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a client is going through these phases and, and um, doing some inquiry into how they're currently experiencing them and what that reflects, like what does that, you know, tell us about what's happening in their life and maybe what needs to change. Well, so, I, I took two days away from my children, so that's what it taught me, <laughs> to go and have a break. <laughs> yeah, and maybe in the next period you'll be like, I am a goddess, I am bleeding like a goddess. Come at me. Husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough for mums, you know. I don't have children yet and I... Uh, our systems are just not set up to support, you know, bleeding mothers or mothers in general. But but to 
have a period and to really just need to be able to rest because this is what I, I believe is that menstruation is the natural point in the cycle for rest and to connect with yourself and to take some time out and I understand how unrealistic that is for most women with children mm-hmm. so it's really tough. I have a seven-month-old and I haven't got my period back. Actually, I got it back at five weeks postpartum. With my first, I got it back at 10 months. And with my second, I got it back at five weeks. And I was like, oh, God, no, surely one of the positives of having a baby is you get some time out from having your period. And anyway, it hasn't come back again. So I feel like I'm looking at this through rose-coloured glasses because I've kind of forgotten yeah, you what it's like. like. Yeah. You've totally I'm like, it. oh, it's just part of life, whereas Jade's like, it's the devil. It's <laughs> so the devil. I just want to make sure I've covered the cycle. So... That autumn phase, like I said, that's the, the phase where um, progesterone is the most dominant hormone. And like I said, we can all have different experiences with that. Um, once progesterone declines entirely and halts, that's when we begin bleeding again. And so then we move back into what I call the winter of the cycle, which is menstruation when we're bleeding. And that's like the reset, the release, you know, everything mm. is, um, is renewed. And it can be a really amazing time for connecting with yourself, for getting priorities straight, for just taking a, a a moment to pause and to plug in for the next cycle. Again, I realise this isn't always. (laughs) (laughs) And I do, I really do believe in the power of, of those days of bleeding for women to, to reconnect with themselves and to just take some time, even if it is like, five ten minutes and it often does involve asking for help and support and you know calling in the ranks and I I get that it isn't always easy every single cycle but it is like my highest hope that mums will get more support to be able to respect and honor what this these few days of bleeding can provide for them and for their families as well to appreciate that like we're all cyclic beings and we all move on cycles we're on the 24-hour cycle we're all existing in the seasons of the year and it's it's unrealistic to expect you know mums in the family to be on and to be at 100 every single day of the month absolutely and i think with a house full of girls i've got three daughters i want and to I have be two able... daughters so this is yeah. important for both of us but yeah. i wanted to i want to be able to understand it uh, myself because i have never up until probably this year really really thought about it or until i've had babies understood you know how we all work but you know, there's times where like they'll come in and they will see, you know, me on the toilet or look in the toilet and be like, oh, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, when you're a little bit older, this is going to happen to you and you're going to turn into a nightmare and I'm not going to be able to cope and then it's going to be horrible. But anyway, it is what it is. So it's just, it's so interesting to educate ourselves as mothers so we can actually have that and even if we had sons I mean even more so that they can understand how women you know go through life every month and I think it would be nice for to educate them that it's it shouldn't necessarily be seen as a negative thing and if we do tune into ourselves it can be something that can be really like honored and how amazing is the human body but I agree even with sons like I think guys should be educated way more on periods. Like I think they're just like all a lot. I mean, I remember growing up, all guys knew was, ew, periods are bleeding. That's all. See, my husband thinks that he knows what a period is because he can tell there's a mood apparently that I have and he can see the shift. I go into crazy cleaning mode and then psycho yelling mode and he's like, oh, it's coming. I can see it. I need to step back. Mm -hmm. And he can see it. So 
It's I'm like, no, that's just what you say when you're trying to be rude to me. But then the next day it comes. It's it's spot on every, <laughs> literally spot on every month. <laughs> <laughs> and how about when you're bleeding? Do you does he support you? Does he help you out when you need to take a break? Um, that's very interesting. I am still coming to terms with understanding when I need a break. I'm very much go, 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 go all the time until I burn out. And this is why I'm actually having time to myself right now to understand when to say no and when to say I need to put myself first. So look, it's, I'm 32. It's a slow process. I'm still learning, but, um, hopefully, you know, Sometime soon I'll get it together <laughs> and I'll know when I need more me time. <laughs> Maybe once a month. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I Just start there. Yeah. Like just that would be my, you know, unsolicited advice to you mm. would be to just start with menstruation. Like if there is a moment in the menstrual cycle, even those couple of days before, like you've described, that mm. sound like they are particularly um, tense at yes. times. <laughs> <laughs> just start there. Like they're your like period cave days where you know you just get the right to take more time out for you and and then just see what happens because what you've described is um is so common among women it's like we do actually have the support there sometimes it does actually exist but we we're the ones in our own way and we're the ones holding ourselves back from just saying yes to accepting it or to asking for it and it's because you know we've been deeply conditioned to do that and to be superwoman all the time (laughs) i think i hope what my work provides is like a permission slip to not be superwoman all of the time Mm. and to just accept that like you can't be your hormones are changing all of the time you are changing all of the time and there are just natural points in the month where you really do need to accept that help and to just say no to other people and just take some time out that is such a refreshing yeah i guess even if it's like once a month pairing it back like 20 percent, 30 percent, it would maybe stop us from needing to pair it back a hundred percent every six months or a year you know and burn yourself out if you go that time and know that oh you know it's around that time where your period's coming I am I'm going to have these three days to just let go of everything and just you know focus on myself Let's try it. Let's you and I. It. Let's try yeah. it. Well, I don't know. We're not oh, getting yeah. my period back. I'll try it. But we're not wishing for that anytime soon. You can try it first. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it a go and report back. Great. What leads to different lengths of one cycle? So what determines the length of a menstrual cycle is actually ovulation. So when somebody is saying, oh, my period is, is late or my period's been delayed or I've uh, having like a long cycle what is happening there is that ovulation is occurring later in the cycle than it might normally because the time between bleeding and ovulating that like amazing time that you just <laughs> spoke about earlier the lead up to ovulation Beautiful. that is more variable because ovulation um doesn't necessarily always happen on the same day every month so there's often this misunderstanding that ovulation happens on day 14 of every cycle and anyone who's listening that's ever you know tried to conceive and Mm. in that way will have learned that no that's actually not the case (laughs) and that can move around the day of of ovulation can move around in a cycle and that might be because of stress it could be because of um, other lifestyle factors like diet exercise if somebody started a new heavy exercise regime then that can slightly delay ovulation so there are different reasons why ovulation can be delayed in a cycle different medications for example um pcos menstrual issues like that 
what then happens is once we do ovulate, the time between ovulation and menstruation is much more defined. So it is, it's less flexible. It will always happen usually between 11 and 17 days. So it's, we can then predict once we've observed ovulation, we can then predict when our period will come, which is really helpful if somebody is experiencing irregular cycles and really long cycles to begin to track when ovulation is actually occurring for them because they'll absolutely, if you have a 40 day cycle, you're not ovulating on day 14. I can, mm. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so many different reasons. Okay. Particularly, as you say, you know, coming um, postpartum and, and beginning to bleed again, your cycle is going to be, you know, your body is adjusting to, um, you know, to another new rhythm. And so that can take time as well. If you're breastfeeding, you're not going to, probably not going to be having 28-day cycles all of the time as mm. well. So there are lots of different moments in the, you know, female life journey where you probably, we probably will all experience longer cycles or irregular cycles for different reasons. Perimenopause, for example, mm. transitioning into menopause. My mum's in um, that. Sorry, she, mom, yeah. if you're listening, but you are. You're crazy. <laughs> So her cycles are probably like doing, you know, different things right now as well, but it's all, it all comes down to like when ovulation is actually occurring in the cycle. Oh, it's so interesting. There's so much information, so much to know. What is PMS and why does it happen? Mm-hmm. So premenstrual symptoms or premenstrual syndrome, um, this is, you know, a collection of, of symptoms that can occur in that what I would call the autumn week, so that premenstruum, that week before bleeding. And for some women this is, um, it can manifest as bloating, breakouts, just mood changes, feeling really dark, feeling really angry and frustrated. Um, you know, for others, it, you know, it can be really mild and it's just a sense of like, oh, my breasts are a bit tender and I don't feel amazing. For other people, it can actually be, you know, so debilitating that we would probably even start to call it premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD. So there's two. I think I've got that. And I think I'm bloated four weeks of the whole month. (laughs) But go on. Yeah. Could be one. I mean. PMDD is being diagnosed more and more now and and understood more and more. And it's tough. It's really tough. Essentially, you know, from ovulation onwards, just this this really um, distorted sense of reality compared to... Like yeah, it's it's, it's a legitimate health. mental health disorder. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's really serious. Yeah. So if, with PMS, you know, why does it happen? It's essentially a hormonal imbalance. There's something going on in the body that's not quite right. And this is what I mean when I say the menstrual cycle is such a brilliant feedback system because we don't just get PMS for no reason. There's something going on. There's often like a root cause happening. There's, and this could be stress, this could be diet, this again could be exercise or nutrition. It could be circumstantial, situational. Um, there's so many different things that can cause PMS. And sometimes it's as simple as shifting diet or adding a few extra herbs in, or just like getting some acupuncture and chilling out, you know, wow. a bit more and managing, what, managing lifestyle. What's um, hormonally happening at that time that is in imbalance? So what's happening here is that we have um, that increase in progesterone that kicks in just after ovulation. And the, the whole point of progesterone, it does have a purpose, is to nurture a potential pregnancy. So like that's why it's there. Mm. In case you've conceived, progesterone kicks in. But estrogen is still present. So what's happening here is that estrogen has 
dominated that first half of the menstrual cycle and she's just had the whole space to herself basically and now estrogen and progesterone have got to play you know together essentially in that second half they're both present so it's more dynamic and if that ratio of estrogen and progesterone is is out and often it's too much estrogen and not enough progesterone that's often what can um, contribute to premenstrual symptoms yeah so it's not always but more often than not more estrogen in that phase than we really should have and for whatever reason the body's not flushing estrogen from the system and this can be like liver loaders like lots of alcohol or caffeine or sugar and all sorts um that can be (laughs) and it's hard because they're the things that often we turn to right when you're feeling like a bit premenstrual and you just want to see yourself is it pmdd that some women have got off the hook from like murdering a spouse and stuff (laughs) nasty i don't know but i mean i mean we're not going to recommend it but yeah i haven't i haven't experienced (laughs) i've definitely experienced pms i haven't experienced pmdd but from what i hear from women yeah it's truly debilitating it's truly awful yeah Uh uh-huh what is a healthy color? Ooh, what is a healthy color? I'm so immature. How? What is a healthy color for your period? For your period, you want to be looking at like a bright red blood to crimson. So like nice red, like a red to darkish sort of red. Anything that's like like too light, like a light pink or, or really, really dark and clotty, like a dark purpley clotty kind of blood. Like that's when, you know, there could be a hormonal balance going on. So nice and bright or like a crimson and not too many clots. You really don't want anything over, say, like a like a five-cent piece. What does that mean over that? if there's a clot? So if there's a clot, it's often stagnation in the body. And, again, that can be a hormonal imbalance, often estrogen dominance in the body. And these things aren't, you know, it, it can – it can be pointing to perhaps other menstrual disorders, but often there is a hormonal imbalance that can actually be brought back into balance quite easily. Stress for me, I know that if I've had a really stressful cycle and my period is therefore a bit later than normal, I'll often have more clotting because that blood has basically sat there for longer than uh. it normally would. So, the, you know, there are, there's more clots than if I have a regular like 28-day yep. cycle. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And what is a healthy length and amount of bleeding? So really anything from two days till seven is considered a healthy amount of bleeding. And we don't really want to be bleeding any more than 80 mils. Um, what does that mean? Any- yeah. <laughs> don't yeah, you use one of those cups? Don't use a measuring cup. No, you know the spongy cups people I put up? Actually, when I get my period back, I want to try using a yeah. menstrual cup. But... I haven't in the past, so let's just talk like pad peri- pad tampon. Yeah, wise. Sure. What does that mean? If you're regularly soaking through a heavy, like a super pad every couple of hours, and that's considered heavy menstrual bleeding, yeah. and and to definitely you know chat to somebody who can help you figure out what's going on. I have experienced heavy menstrual bleeding before, and it is you know if you've got it like yeah. you are just soaking through <laughs> through stuff and bleeding on like furniture and just yeah. like it's makes it impossible to sort of live your life and wear white constantly changing and wear white yeah exactly but but using a cup does make it easy to track that and that's that was helpful for me when I was trying to figure out just how much I was bleeding because you can't quite get an accurate reading on a pad or a tampon but if you are soaking through them every couple of hours a super tampon uh then yeah I would I would chat to somebody about that with those 
what are we calling them? Cups. Cup. When you pull it out, does just the blood just all come out, like pour out? In the- Let's say, I've been using one for five or six years. I've had two messy experiences getting it out where it hasn't stayed in the cup. <laughs> but overall, no. What happens is you basically like insert your finger into your vagina, you break the seal of the cup, and then you just sort of like twist it out and and it does actually come out quite easily and as long as you know you're not lying down you're if you're in a squatting position or yeah or your leg is up on something you're holding <laughs> your husband's not pulling it out laying down horizontally or vertically in bed oh <laughs> uh, I mean I had to get my partner to help me get one out one time because I was sent some to try a different brand and I, I used a size that was too big and I just could not get oh this thing God. out and I was in the shower and just squatting, like bearing down, trying to get it out. And I just couldn't get it out. And um, Alex had to come in and, and, and get it out for me. What's your thoughts on sex while menstruating? Um, great. You know, I think that if people, you know, if you want to have sex, there's absolutely no reason why. So from a health standpoint, sex when you're bleeding, you know, there's any issues. You can't get pregnant. All. Well, you can if you well, you talked to Dr. Timmy about oh, this. Yeah, yes, sorry. Yeah. I always make a mistake. It, oh, it's such a common mistake, though. I mean, technically, you still can if you ovulate early. So, sex when you're bleeding, I think go for it. If you want to have sex, it feels good for you. Absolutely go for it. I personally don't like it. I just don't like the idea of really anything inside me at that time. But I do really love, like, masturbating like I think having an orgasm then great like Mm. it definitely helps with cramping I'm definitely up for like a bit of self time when I have my period and Sophie um, is nodding away well it's just a time that I don't feel sexy but I feel like connecting with myself so I'm like don't want anyone to come when I say anyone the only person (laughs) I'm with is my husband (laughs) but I'm trying to make myself sound more like risque than I actually am but I like I don't Yeah, I feel like sensitive about maybe the way I look and the way I feel at that time. So I don't really want to get nude in front of any, in front of him. Um, But yeah, I know what you mean about that time to just like feel nurtured, but by yourself because you're safe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 I don't mind an orgasm on my period, but it's definitely not, it doesn't involve my partner. No, definitely. Are you just a no go zone? I am uh, absolute, I tell you, I am the worst person on, like, with hormones. Don't come near me. Don't touch me. Before I get my period, I get my period. Don't touch me at all. And then I, because I am not aroused during a period. I've got cramping. I'm like, ugh, I feel uncomfortable as it is. I feel really insecure as well. Like, you know, I was just saying I went to the gym the other day and I had my period and someone laughed as I was walking up the stairs and I'm like, oh, my God, they're laughing at me because they can see, like, my tampon on my period, my pad. Obviously they're not. Like, obviously. But mm. that's what I thought because I was so insecure about it. So that time of the month I do feel really vulnerable. And then, obviously, a few days later I'm it's in that on, like, beautiful, Kong. beautiful one week where I'm just on. It's all on. And then it's off. It's <laughs> off. <laughs> Love that. How do you know what is normal period pain versus what is potentially endometriosis or another issue? Mm. 
Yeah, great question. Look, at the heart of it, period pain, like actual pain in the body, isn't normal. Like Mm -hmm. it might sound wild, but the female body isn't actually designed to be in pain. Like we aren't meant to be in pain unless something is wrong. And so any pain and we've all just been you know conditioned to just accept that like pain is a part you know a part of it and it's just not it's not to say that if you're experiencing pain you have endometriosis however but again like I spoke about earlier stress hormonal imbalances food diet lifestyle all of these things can impact on our period so the pain might just be some feedback from your body maybe you moved house in the last cycle or changed jobs or like had a really stressful month with your partner that can all contribute to experiencing period pain Having a sense of bleeding, though, like experiencing some mild discomfort, the uterus is involved in like quite an intense physiological process of contracting to, you know, to release the lining. It would be, you know, it would be silly to say that you're not going to feel that. Of course, Mm. you know, you may. And some discomfort might be experienced, definitely. Um, Definitely, you know, it it gets so much bigger at that time as well. It's normal to feel like a bit of maybe like swelling or like a bit of a swollen sensation around there too. But I I really want to, yeah, encourage anyone that is experiencing any pain to to maybe do a little bit of inquiry because we're not meant to suffer. We're just not. Yeah, so like aching, cramping, discomfort, that's fine. But if we're actually going, I am feeling like I'm in pain, that is not what we're meant to be experiencing yeah like if it gets in the way of you living your life or working or like going about you know your day yeah that's yeah Yeah. it's definitely something to be looking at I advocate for rest at that time so you know I really do encourage people to like do 10% less or 20% less and just like you know take it easy but that's not because we're in pain and we need and we can't Mm. you know it's it's I want to see it more as a choice, but, mm. um, but yeah, period pain is something that I think we've all been taught is just a, you know a part of being a woman and and get on with things, yeah. And why do we? Why do we? Why do some women get an aching vagina uh, during their period, like mm. their flaps are throbbing? That's actually not a question I can answer. I'm not sure. I didn't about ask it, but that one. <laughs> It is a serious yeah. question. Because some other women, like we had some people write in saying they had an aching vagina. We had some people write in saying they're constipated when they've got their period and yeah. other people say they get a diarrhoea when they yeah. have their period. Um, is do that you know related? about any of those? Definitely, yeah. So that's all hormones. Um, what's you know What can happen is constipation in the lead-up often to bleeding and that is due to progesterone. So progesterone, again, is that like a relaxing, soothing hormone, which can also uh, mean that like the bowels are more relaxed than they probably need to be. So they can be like constipation in the lead up and then as soon as we have that drop mm. in progesterone and then that release you know of blood that can cause you know all sorts and diarrhea like loose bowels in um in the first few days of bleeding like period poos are definitely <laughs> definitely a thing good to know and that I there think, are things for other people than just me <laughs> yeah they really are and I think it's something as well that we just don't talk about a lot it's, it's not like, nice at the time but you feel very light yeah. and empty afterwards <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you're bleeding and you're having this like flush of everything from your bowels, like it does just feel like the most, isn't it? And that is why I'm like, no one come near me because I feel like an animal. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, that's totally normal. Look, again, if it's like getting in the way of you actually living your life and you're having like massive issues with digestion, massive then boss. by all means speak <laughs> to somebody. But like some change in, in digestion in the days leading up to period, you know, your period and in the few days of bleeding is normal. But I've heard some women who do have endometriosis during their period, they find pooing, uh, weighing really painful and I think that's yeah. sometimes because you have endometriosis on your bowel or on your bladder yes but that's a bit exactly different. yeah yeah and if you are like I said if you are experiencing like pain mm. at that time then you definitely need to speak to your GP and and ask them to do some more you know inquiry because mm. absolutely there can be something more sinister going on and you just need to speak to somebody who can help you figure out what, what that might be but good to know that period poo is normal <laughs> Yeah, periods yeah. are normal. There's some new TENS machines for pain relief that seem to be getting advertised now. How do they work and do they work? I actually haven't used them and mm-hmm. so I, I can't really speak to them, but I have heard some some positive feedback from people who have. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I, I can't say too much on them. Mm. Are there any oh, ways no, to decrease symptoms like severe mood swings and bloating during your period mm, yes okay so Sorry. again keep me yeah Jade's listening. <laughs> all ears are open right so you're experiencing severe mood swings when bleeding and bloating i would i would start by looking at the rest of the month so menstruation is such a powerful phase in the menstrual cycle because it's giving us feedback on the previous cycle. So I would say to you, let's start with lots and lots of water. Make sure you're drinking plenty of fluids when you're bleeding and getting some rest and taking, just being mindful of those liver loaders I mentioned earlier, like booze and sugar and, you know, that kind of stuff that can just make the like flushing and the release of the body just to help, you know, out that system. However, I would then start looking at what's going on in the rest of the cycle if I was working with somebody who had, um, you know, really big mood swings and bloating at that time. But, you know, by all means, start with just like lots of hydration and taking care of your liver. But then I would be looking back and going, well, what's going on in the rest of the cycle that's causing the body to like to 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 react in that way? I know. Husbands, kids, Sophie. <laughs> She's sculling water now on camera to you, but she had champagne before, so I'm calling bullshit on this whole thing. And I will say that I am a real, I I don't like water. It's been a very hard thing for me to accept that I have to drink because of, like, life. Like, I have to drink (laughs) water. Hydration is important. But I have really yellow eyes. And I'm pretty sure I've got liver, da- liver damage. But saying that, I'm trying my best to drink water because it obviously it helps for lots of things. Yeah, loads of things. So I'm glad you yeah. said that. What I would suggest is just really pay attention. I mean, the whole cycle is important. But mm. when you feel that shift, you know, when you've gone from feeling absolutely fabulous and yeah. then suddenly not so much, right? Yeah. So mm. that's that post-ovulation hormonal shift. Mm-hmm. Even if between like that time and when you begin to bleed, you're just extra mind of drinking lots of water then, getting as much sleep as you can, just 
maybe, you know, be mindful of how much stress you're putting your liver on in, in those weeks. Okay. See what happens. See if that helps. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be all the time, but definitely post-ovulation when that, when, like I said, those two hormones are kind of like doing this weird hormonal dance off, like they're both in the space and you just want to get the hormonal balance right. See if that helps. And it might be easier to make those changes then than when you're actually totally. menstruating because that's when you're like, exactly. give me all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that yeah. actually comes to our next question. Why do we crave chocolate and hot chips and all the naughty stuff when we have our period? There's so many reasons why. I mean, from a physical perspective, chocolate has, you know, a pretty good serve of magnesium and that's often um, something that a lot of women are actually requiring. And I would suggest maybe chatting to somebody for you as well about magnesium that can really help often with premenstrual symptoms. It also is just such a like soothing, like emotionally, you know, the, the connection that we have psychologically to chocolate as well. It's like so comforting and it's such a like heart food, isn't it? So if you are feeling, you know, as you described, feeling vulnerable at that time when you're mm. bleeding, like chocolate can be such a good like comfort and blanket. And it's even if we don't consider ourselves to be like comfort eaters per se or emotional eaters, the truth is we do use food to soothe ourselves. And so we're, you know, using like hot chips and chocolate and like sweet foods to just, you know, kind of wrap us up in, yeah. in a blanket of sorts, you know? There are also in that in that premenstrual week, the way that we metabolize sugars, you know, and our blood sugar levels and, and, and insulin, there, there are shifts there as well. So we can... It's important to keep our blood sugar levels stable in that week because if we're skipping meals or we're not eating regularly enough, then we can experience more like crashes in our energy too. So then we want to reach for more carbohydrates. And it does actually make sense in that week leading up to our period to eat more carbohydrates. And so often I say to a client, if they're craving things like hot chips, I'm like, well, just eat like eat more carbohydrate like mm. maybe choose like sweet potato for example and bake sweet potato every day yeah. for lunch and just like make sure you are getting more carbohydrate in because your body is telling you is that, that almost prepping you for you then bleeding is that why it does that yeah i mean it's gearing itself up for this quite a big physiological process yeah. we're actually burning more calories as well in that week before our period starts our, our metabolism increases we are burning more energy and so if you notice that you're feeling hungrier or that your cravings for different foods have changed then i i think listen to listen to your body and that doesn't mean go out and eat like packets of hot chips all day but there is definitely some wisdom in that because your body is preparing towards ways that are healthy yeah definitely moving into some more questions that are geared towards mums how long postpartum is normal to not have your period or to get your period back so this is going to depend on whether the mum is breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or not and technically if you were to just continue breastfeeding and I mean like consistently breastfeeding Mm -hmm. like not even having like a day off like just consistently breastfeeding ovulation will continue to be suppressed basically until you stop breastfeeding so that could be a year or two years for some people if they're mm-hmm. consistently breastfeeding and that would be considered completely normal. If you're um, staggering feeds and not feeding as, you know, feeding consistently here and there, then um, you might notice that ovulation will, will keep back in and then your period will happen. So anything from like six months onwards um, is often the time that maybe women 
aren't breastfeeding as consistently mm. and so that's when they'll notice that their period returns. So it really does depend on breastfeeding. If you're not breastfeeding at all, then your, your period, you know, may come back quite quickly after birth. Um, it just depends on when your body recalibrates and begins ovulating again. And if you stopped breastfeeding, you'd kind of expect it within like three months or like? Yeah, everybody is really different. different yeah. And so it, it depends. But I, I think that's a, a pretty reasonable ball park if you got you know if you weren't breastfeeding and it had been you know six to 12 months and you hadn't begun yeah. bleeding again then definitely I would I would go and get that checked out and just see what's happening with your hormones is it normal for your periods to change after having children it is normal for periods to change uh, it's quite common for periods to change you know your body's been through a really incredible process and so you know your uterus isn't the same um, no it's not no. <laughs> Do tell. I didn't notice. As you well know, like mum, mum explaining to you. So it's, yeah, of course, you know there are going to be differences. There are also hormonal differences happening in your body as well. Like your chemistry makeup is now mm. different too, and so that is absolutely going to change the way you experience menstruation. We experience the whole cycle. You know the way you experience ovulation might feel completely different too um, after having children as well. So it's normal to expect that your experience of the cycle will change psychologically. You know you're a different. You are a different person mm. too. And so, you know, the expectations in your life are different. As we've said, having children can make it more difficult to take the time you need. So it's normal to expect differences. Unfortunately, there isn't a great deal of research happening in this area where we can, you know, I can give you some really clear reasons why um, or what exactly is happening. But I think, like I've said a few times now, the cycle is, you know, it's a fantastic feedback system from what's happening in your life and in your body and your mum life, you know, and as I'm sure you can say a lot better than I can, is um, is a different life to the one that you had yeah, with your totally. kids. Mm-hmm. That's such a great way to look at it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're saying that any, like, you know, a bit of stress, like moving house can mean that your cycle is prolonged then of course all of a sudden looking after another being is going to change that yeah if you felt like your hormones were just off balance and all over the place is there a specialist or someone that you can see to work out all your hormone levels and understand your body a little bit better Yeah, it's a really great question. There's a few different routes that you could take. I mean, starting with your GP to just do some like basic health exam, I think is is really important. So even just getting things like vitamin D tested, for example, Mm. or like getting liver function tested, just having a look at, you know, iron levels of these things can Mm. all contribute to how your, your hormones are working. They may, if they suspect that there is like quite a severe hormonal imbalance occurring, may refer you to an endocrinologist who specializes in endocrinology. I also really recommend the work of like a naturopath, somebody mm. who has an, a really solid understanding of female reproductive system and hormones and working with somebody who can request the kinds of tests that they think, you know, will be most useful. And that's been my experience working with a naturopath when I've had some thyroid issues going on. So my doctor could give me the results of my thyroid test to say, right, there's something going on here that's not quite right. But then I then worked with a naturopath who could then request further tests to show like because she felt that there was probably something that was slightly out of of balance, which was correct. So I don't know if it's necessarily Mm. just one magical person that I could, you know, direct 
somebody too, but having a team of people and having an integrated approach of both like using the, you know, the magic of Western medicine, but also looking at it from a more natural perspective as well. I think the integration of both is often the best you know, in the most effective and following your place. gut as to whether you yeah. think that the person is getting to the core of the issue or not. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Back to magnesium. We were talking about that before <laughs> helping. Um, a salt bath, magnesium bath. Would you recommend doing that, you know, while you've got your period or I don't know if people like to do that before it, when would be a, a good time and is it a good thing to do? It's a great thing to do and I would suggest in that, again, that premenstrual week. So once you've ovulated and, again, you feel that yep. change, that's when, you know, to up all of that kind of self-care that I right. spoke about and, and definitely a magnesium bath would be something to include so during that, that week. That changes your mood. Magnesium is like a, a mood changer. I read that somewhere. Yeah, it can. It's involved in so many um, like intricate systems and processes in the body, but, but certainly mood and for PMS, it can be an absolute game changer for some women. It's a, it's a, a truckload. Yeah. <laughs> Dump it in my bath. <laughs> <laughs> and even just the, like the stress um, benefits of taking a bath, you know, even just taking a bath during that week. If you've got magnesium, then you can have right. it brilliant. Yeah, but totally. even just taking a bath, like even that in a few days leading up to bleeding, how wonderful you know to do that yeah. for yourself without well. kids do it on your own exactly. yeah on your own yeah it's on your own yeah <laughs> noted noted um, just a couple more postpartum questions is it common for your first period postpartum to generally be heavier that's a good question um again because there has been some time the uterine the uterus lining would yeah. have been building up yeah, it makes sense definitely totally. that there will probably be maybe a bit more clotting, a bit heavier, that mm. there may be some signs of stagnation because it hasn't been, you know, a classic 28-day cycle, for totally. example. Yeah, so I, I think that, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, like who's to tell you how long, like when you ovulated, like, yeah, how long has your cycle really been? How long's a tampon string? That is long. Okay. Wrong analogy. And do you know, you might not know, but is period pain generally worse after a cesarean? Mm, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, it would kind of make sense. You've had surgery on your uterus. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, again, it's, it's very possible, but it's not something I know a lot about. And... Oh, this is a good one. Why do we need to pay for pads and tampons? Hmm. Well, I still hold to my soapbox. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, because women bleed, not men, basically. I think totally. that if men have periods, you know, they would be free. There would be, like, so many more options. We would have so many options. There would be, like, billboards advertising for period products and it would be, like, a competition to see who who bled the most and, you know, we wouldn't be talking about trying to ask for help. It would just be like men stay off for a week. There's lots of reasons. There would be a day, wouldn't there? There'd be a day yeah, off for periods. Totally. It would be like integrated into the workplace. It would be. But, it, it, but men do have their periods. They have those moments <laughs> like, you know, anyway. But you're so right. Like it is amazing that it happens once a month and we're just expected to function as normal. Yep. Even though, like, as I said before, like, if you were bleeding that amount from anywhere else in your body, you would be given some leniency. Totally. Yeah. Is it, is it safe to continually skip your period on the contraceptive pill? 
I'm not really qualified to answer that. From a medical perspective, the current advice is yes, it's fine. And technically when you're on hormonal contraception, you don't, you're not ovulating. So you're not actually having a natural menstrual cycle. The hormonal contraception sort of puts you into this like almost like a menopausal state where you're not having this ebb and flow of, of estrogen and progesterone, like what we've spoken about. It's, it's much more linear and there isn't as much happening. So there is some buildup of, of the like, uterine lining, but it's not like what I've spoken about. You know, it's not building up as thickly. So I guess so. I think it's important to listen to your own body on that one. I went through a phase in my life where I was skipping, I was on the pill and skipping my periods for months at a time and I would end up getting some breakthrough mm. bleeding because my body just needed to like release what was there and so I think it's important to listen to your gut on that one. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about the cycle that you have when you are on the pill? Like you've kind of touched on that briefly. Like what do you mean by linear? Sure. So what I mean is that, and there are different sorts of hormonal contraceptive pills, Mm. so each one does act a little bit differently in the body, but basically what it's doing is it's suppressing ovulation. So where I spoke before about that, build up of estrogen after your period finishes which is what makes you feel so good that like upswing in energy that you feel once your period ends that's estrogen and so you don't get that when you're taking hormonal contraception you get a really small amount of either estrogen and progesterone or a synthetic version of both I should say or just progestin every day every day when you're taking those the pills that's what you're getting every day so your hormonal like RAF would just be, mm-hmm. you know, the same every single day. And then when you stop taking it, when you start taking the sugar pills or you don't take those pills for when your period yeah. or withdrawal bleed happens, then you just, then you're bleeding mm-hmm. and then you start taking them again every day. So it's mm-hmm. essentially just the same experience. And some people ask me if they still experience the feeling of being in, in the menstrual cycle when you're taking the pill because some women tell me they still feel like they get the ebbs and flows or they still feel that like cyclic nature of themselves. And, um, and I, you know, I think if you feel that, then track that and that's, that's great. Some other women tell me they feel like they're in a perpetual premenstrual week all of the time and they mm. feel more, more like that kind of angsty premenstrual is more similar to their experience. And so everybody is really different. I think it's worth still charting if you're taking hormonal contraception, but it is important to say that you're not experiencing ovulation and so therefore you won't have that upswing of energy in the lead up, nor will you have that, that hormonal shift afterwards either. Well, I'd like to give... A massive shout out to all the women with periods, all the women that are perimenopausal and all the women that are menopausal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Round of applause. Good on Absolutely. us. <laughs> Good on us. Yeah. yeah I, I think agree. it is. It's just such an amazing thing that half the population go through it once a month. And it is so, I mean, you probably don't feel this because your work yeah. is in this. So you do talk about it every day. Yeah. But as a whole, it is just, even amongst women, it's hard. And I'm a pretty open woman and it's still not discussed (laughs) that much. Sophie and I were just actually saying like how ridiculous that you know we have babies and we go through periods obviously our whole lives and then we go through perimenopause then menopause it's like give us a goddamn break like (laughs) when why do we have to go through all of this at least menopause could have been an easier like okay it's all over done 
but it's not. It's years for some women, like, of, you know, hot flushes, mood swings, divorces. No, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Oh, well, for some, can, yeah, it can be the moment that they got up shop, burn things down, and off they go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. And I think that the more awareness, well, I know that the more awareness that we have of each of these phases in the female life journey and of each of these phases in our menstrual cycle and when we know what day of our cycle we are on at any given point and we know what's coming up in our life and so therefore can prepare for it if we're going to be in a more vulnerable phase or if we know that next week is like our superwoman queen ovulation power time, mm-hmm. you know, we can optimise that and really enjoy that too because yeah. there is so much pleasure yeah. like, in the cycle as well. And so they're teaching women how to prepare for the times that are more tender and vulnerable but also how to really like relish in how amazing we are when we feel that amazingness that's you know that's what I hope my work does and that's the kind of world I want to live in where we have this awareness and we talk about it freely and people can feel like safe and comfortable being in a body that bleeds well Claire thank you so much I love that I love it I think I mean if your cycle is regular then as you say let's make the most of the time to comfort ourselves and the time to just be sex queen like sugar mama whatever (laughs) thank you so much for creating this book I can't actually wait to read it I haven't read it yet but I'm definitely going to and thank you so much for chatting to us answering our fans our fans (laughs) 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 I really got ahead of my are you on Mama Queen Week? <laughs> She's like, everyone wants to fuck me. <laughs> I can't. I can't even end this. I can't even end this. What's? Can you tell us the title of the book and where we can find it? Of course. For our fans. Right. So the book for your fans, <laughs> for all your fans out there, the book is called 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods. Know Love Your Flow it. and Live in Sync with Your Cycle. And, yeah, it goes through everything that we've spoken about today in terms of the hormonal phases, but how to, like, live more in harmony with your body. And you can find it at any bookstore that you would normally buy books at. So I know it's been restocked recently in Dimix, um, Angus and Robertson online, but Amazon, of course, anywhere that you know, people normally pick up books Unreal. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, That's so awesome. Good on you. Thank you so much for doing the work you do. It's so, so important. We appreciate it. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And actually, I should probably mention my website, shouldn't I? Yes, you should. Definitely. A good thing to do. ClaireBaker.com. So that's C-L-A-I-R-E-B-A-K-E-R.com. You can find more about the book and other courses and things I have available there too. Fantastic. And we'll link it all in the show notes. Excellent. It's such a pleasure chatting with you both. Pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, my dear. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.